Ladies and gentlemen, episode 101 coming for you live. We've got all the pub is here, minus Preacher Man Fitz. He's finishing exams right now, so we'll pour some out for him. But we have an MLS legend right now with us, Jeff Atanelli. Let's go, Jeff. Hey, what a welcome. What a welcome. I appreciate that. Hey, man, anytime. Thank you so much for hopping on. And I know Matt is excited. He's over in England, and uh, he kind of gets bored talking to himself with some footy action. I try to get <laughs> in there, and I always drop the ball on him. So I know Matt's pumped for this one. No pun intended, right? Yeah, oh, I like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, let's just go ahead and start with, like, kind of your journey, your career. You, you grew up in Florida, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yep, grew up in, yep, grew up in Clearwater, Florida. Uh, awesome. So... Yeah, so back home now, which has been good. But it took me uh, – it was quite the journey to get all the way back here. So it's been pretty fun so far. Yeah, I, I can imagine because when I think of you and, like, I remember seeing you play games, you're up in – up northeast or northwest, Minnesota or Portland. Golly, I cannot talk. The Timberwolves playing for MLS. And, uh, dude, how was your just journey coming from Clearwater, bouncing around MLS, and then you kind of got on loan over in Europe a little bit and then back to the MLS. How was that? Yeah, I mean, my journey was pretty interesting because it's pretty unique nowadays. Um, you know, the way that the system is built now in America, it's all very, you know, if you're not into it at a young age or if you're not very, you know, committed to soccer at a young age and you're not tied into a club, then you're kind of going to get left behind. And I was the exact opposite, right? It took me, you know, it took me about my sophomore year or so of high school to really commit to soccer because I, I enjoyed playing other sports and, you know, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And then once it kind of became time to commit to something, uh, soccer, I, I love basketball, love baseball, but I couldn't hit, you know, out of the infield. And then, uh, but, you know, in basketball, it was between soccer and basketball that I was going to try to stick with and get to college with. And, you know, when I really looked looked at things and I was like 6'1", you know, 6'1", kind of short, not really that fast, not insanely athletic, but, you know, all those things kind of added up to being a pretty good soccer goalie. So once I, uh, you know, once I committed to soccer, that was kind of, you know, the path that I chose and then was fortunate enough to get called into the local college here at USF. Um, you know, they came and scouted me at a high school game, which again is pretty odd for, you know, the soccer world because it's kind of a dying art playing high school soccer. And then from there, man, like to be honest, I never really expected to be playing pro. It wasn't really ever, um, it really wasn't ever my dream. You know, I didn't, I didn't really know what that whole life was about. Like I said, I grew up, you know, really focused on other sports and those are the sports I understood because I was a really big fan of everything else. So I didn't really understand the dynamics of the soccer world. And then, uh, you know, my junior year of college, I was fortunate enough to be named uh, first team All-American. And then that's when people started calling me and they're like, hey, you know, you might actually want to start looking into this a little bit. <laughs> so then it was just kind of from there, uh, you know, I got drafted to Salt Lake and actually got released by Salt Lake out of my, uh, out of after my senior year in college, after I graduated from college. Came here, played two years for the Rowdies, which would be kind of like playing in the second or third division uh, over in Europe. Had some success here. We won a championship. And then the or Salt Lake brought me back. Did four years there. Uh, backed up Nick Romando, who was, you know, he's pretty much the best goalie that MLS has had ever, maybe. At least in terms <laughs> of the records are concerned. For sure. So I learned a lot from him. And then through some crazy rules in the MLS, I ended up uh, out in Portland and had a lot of success out there. And, you know, we made uh, made two cup finals. I got to play in one of them. And then, you know, unfortunately, the last three years of my career, the injury bug hit me pretty hard. And, you know, from there, it was kind of uh, – I have a lot of other interests outside of playing soccer. And, you know, especially for my family, I think it was kind of time for us to come home. 
So after the injury bug kind of hit me a little bit, you know, I decided to hang him up. But, you know, 11 years in total, which is pretty good. Yeah, dude, for sure. You kind of, you know, it's I don't, your journey is just so unique, like you said, because when I think of like soccer players now, uh, I'm a high school coach and teacher. And a lot of our good soccer players don't even play for the high school. They'd rather go play for clubs and, and travel ball, which is just it, to me, it's mind blowing because like me, Devin and Tim all played football and that's it. Like you had high school football. That's the way out for soccer. It's completely different. And, it's completely uh, different, man. And I, and to be honest, I don't like it because I understand it. You know, you're trying to compete on the world scale and that's what it's like in the world. But in other places in the world, it's like you either play soccer or you go to school. Like mm-hmm. those, are your, those are the two tickets. Those are your path that you're going to either pick, soccer or school. But in the States, you know, people have so many different options that I think when you cut, the, when you cut people away from everything else and you tell them that they have to focus on soccer or they can't play for their school, which is a fun thing to do, right? Like the fun side of sports is kind of going away at the youth world. It's all about trying to become a professional at a young age. You know, then you're kind of limiting what people can do. And I've seen a bunch of people who are good players get super burnt out. So, you know, what the right answer is, I'm not sure. We have a bunch of people playing in Europe, so I could be way wrong, but that's how I feel about it. <laughs> I think I think you're absolutely right. Like, I've seen so many kids that I went to high school with and they just quit. Like, I, I'm just tired. I, I do it for 12 months out of the year, 365 pretty much since there were four or five. And then you get burned down on it. But yeah. at the flip side of it, Obviously, some guys are doing what they're supposed to go on, you know, and they're getting over in Europe and playing in these major leagues like, um, you know, our boy Christian Pulsic. But it, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a perfect way to fix it. I really don't. I was hoping you yeah. would have the answer, Jeff, and then we could make money off your idea. And then, you know. <laughs> no, listen, if I had the answer, I'd be doing something completely different with my life. I think, uh, I think they'd be calling me to, uh, you know, be helping U.S. soccer somewhere along the lines. Dude, yeah. that's just kind of, I think that that's also just kind of the transition that the sport is in, in this country is, you know, that's one thing that's exciting. That's, that's another side of it. That's exciting about with the world cup coming up is now our entire team, we're young, super, super young, mm-hmm. but we have a lot of young guys that are playing for the best clubs in the world. For sure. And we never had that before. So the system, the system is definitely working for those guys, but you know, I'm kind of more of a well-rounded you know, think about people as a whole instead of just like as a uh, soccer player. And I feel bad for all the people that are kind of get left behind when they commit all of their time and commit everything to trying to make it to the professional ranks. And, you know, it's not easy to it's not easy to get there. So I've been a lot with a lot of people that, you know, forego going to school, going to a great university and getting an education to go play pro for one year. And then, you know, they can't really hack it and they lose their eligibility. So it's a tough I mean, it's a tough call. It's a tough call as a parent what you want your kid to do. But you know, if you end up playing for Chelsea and, you know, if you're the Christian Pulisic's of the world, then that's definitely the right decision. Dude, for sure. The, the more you're talking to, like, the more similarities I see between, like, soccer and baseball. And, like, once high school is over, you got a choice. Either go try to make some money or you got to go to university and get your degree and then make some money. And it's kind of damn if you do, damn if you don't. There's no perfect answer for any particular person. Every situation is different. So, that's yeah, no, and kind of like baseball too, man. The way that the system is getting set up here in America, there's a there's about three or four lower division leagues now, and the grind to get out of the lower divisions. Like I was one of the lucky ones that you know my position kind of was one of those positions where if you're a goalie, getting games is the most important thing when you're young. So the fact that I was actually getting games helped me out. But you know, if you're a field player and you're playing in those lower divisions, it's not an easy climb. You know, similar to baseball, there's just so many people and. It's so easy to get lost in the shuffle. So 
it's a good comparison. I guess, I mean, we'll see if we win a World Cup in the next eight years and we can replay this back and tell me how wrong I was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I know Matt's got a floor of questions for I don't want to step on any of his questions. So, Matt, take it away, brother. Yes, I just thought I really want to go in towards, you know, the playoff run that you guys had in 2018 um, with the Timbers. Um, you know, you guys finished fifth for the season and you're not really expected to really progress up further, but you had some unbelievable games going forwards, didn't you? I mean, uh, the 4-4 against Seattle and then and then extra time as well. It's, you know, some crazy games. You know, talk to me about those 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 two games against Seattle Sanders because that's a huge rivalry game as well, right? Yeah, those are big. So, you know, that that year was kind of my coming out party, which was a, which was sweet, you know, what you're talking about during the playoffs. And, you know, especially during that year was we had a group that, you know, we finished in fifth, but we were kind of gelling and getting hot at the right time, right? You talk about that mm. all the time in sports that, you know, the timing of getting – the timing of hitting your stride is pretty much everything when you're headed into a playoff-type situation. So in that year, you know, we were fortunate enough to, you know, win the playing game, which is always a tough one on the road. But then the chance to play Seattle, you know, that's like our derby. Until that, That's been the biggest – Seattle-Portland has been the biggest rivalry in American soccer for the history of American soccer. Mm. So to be able to play them in the playoffs and then the first, you know, the home game, I think we got them two to one. And then the second leg, you know, it, it, things got a little bit crazy. I actually, uh, you know, I dropped a cross that led to a goal. And then, <laughs> you know, that was about the 70th minute. So then once that happened, you know, I, everything just kind of opened up because you know how it is in the second leg of games. You yeah, know, everybody's just kind of waiting for somebody to make a mistake, and you know, I had the honor of being that being that mistake in the moment. Yeah. And, uh, so you know, but you know, once the once that goal happened, the game opened up, and then it just became a shootout. Um, you know, we ended up going two to one, going into overtime, and then in overtime, both teams scored a goal. So then we went three two, and then you know, we ended up going into penalties, which you know, I was able to get my hand on one. Uh, you know, I, I like to say that I helped push one of them wide, even though I didn't touch it. But at the same time, you know, I had a good read on it. And I, you know, I, goalies like to take credit for just about everything. So, so to be able to, you know, get that save and, you know, to be able to knock off Seattle in their home stadium and, you know, taunt the fans a little bit who, you know, obviously are giving you hell the whole game, especially as a goalie, because fans like to just sit right on top of you. So, yeah. I mean, it was a good moment, man. And then, you know, after that, we went on to, to upset Kansas City, who was supposed to be the team that was going to make the finals. And it was just kind of one of those miracle runs that, you know, you, were, you look back at your career or, you know, as a fan, you look back on and think how special it was. You know, unfortunately, we, we had the, uh, I guess, the displeasure of playing Atlanta in Atlanta for a cup final where they had, you know, 80,000 people and it's an NFL stadium. So they're pumping in noise and they got like fake trains going on. And, you know, it was absolutely nothing like a soccer game. And but, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that was kind of a suicide mission. But, you know, the climb to get to that game and just kind of the run that we went on is something that was super special. No, yeah. I mean, that win against Seattle must have been probably, surely must have been your highlights of your career. And then it kind of is a shame that you didn't get it done at Atlanta because then that would be the proper ultimate winning uh, away, you know, as a championship run, you know, doing Kansas City, doing Seattle. And then, you know, against 80,000 Atlanta fans, that must have been so, like, so tough. Like, I'm sure Portland took a few fans out there, but you know, 80,000 fans all rooting against you, that must have been real, like, proper hard. So it was in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which I don't know if anybody's ever been there. It's a massive, massive, mm. just an impressive football stadium. 
and Atlanta only allowed like 300 tickets to Portland fans, and they were in the they were in like the corner of the 300s. Like you had to like squint to see the little yeah. amount of green that was allowed into that building. But yeah, I mean, like looking back at it, you know, in that final, you know, they scored the first goal, which is always tough. And, you know, they scored off of a, you know, off of a turnover, off of one of our mistakes. And, you know, just the way that soccer is, we weren't able to get that quick answer. Their goalie had a couple of good saves and then they scored pretty much right out of the second half. And mm. after that, we kind of, at least in my mind, after that, I was kind of like, well, probably not going to be our day, but you know, to be able to go through that experience and and play on that type of stage. And at the time, you know, I'm not sure if the record's been broken, but at the time it was the most attended and most viewed MLS mm. final in, in league history. So for me to even be a part of that game was something that I look back on as, cool. you know, pretty special. We just lost the final two <laughs> this past year. I was injured, but I knew I was retiring. Mm. So I'd, I'd spoken to them about retiring, you know, a couple months before. So like everybody was in the know. And then the talk, you know, behind the scenes when I was talking to the coaches and the GMs, it's all about, oh, you're going to go out of, like, we got to get you out of champion. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, it's going to be awesome. And then we lost that one at home. You know, I wasn't playing in it, but we lost that one at home in PKs. So that one was, that one mm. was too. We lost in my first final in PKs too, 10 shooters. So oh. I went over three, I went over three and called it quits, struck out. <laughs> uh, hey, yeah. To make it three times, like, that's impressive. Like mm. it's a little Buffalo Bills esque, you know, not necessarily three in a row, but it's pr- pretty impressive, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I look, I look back at it at the time. I don't think I really appreciated, uh, you know, the teams that I was on and how much success, you know, the teams I was on had. We made, you know, I don't think I missed the playoffs my entire career. Uh, my first time when I was on Salt Lake, you know, I was coming at the tail end of one of the best core groups that MLS has ever had. You know, the Kyle Beckerman, Nick Ramondo, Ned Grabavoy, just like a core group of guys that had tons and tons of success in the MLS. And I caught the very tail end of that run. And, you know, for that to be my first year in the league, I was kind of like, oh, making the finals. Easy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, no problem. Like, we can do this all day. And then, you know, for whatever reason, in Salt Lake, we didn't get back. We had a coaching change and, you know, a lot of turnover. But then once I got to Portland, you know, we won the West my first year, the regular season, and then the next year we made the finals. So it was just kind of one of those things that the teams I was on were always, you know, seemed to be pretty successful. And I ended up in good situations. And a lot of that happens from, you know, luck. But at the same time, you know, I like to think I had a good part of it, at least that 2018 run. Oh, dude, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You give yourself all the kudos and pats on the back there. (laughs) No, I'm a goalie, man. I'm a goalie, man. Everyone else gets the credit. I just try to stop the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I've got one more final uh, question. It's essentially, where do you see yourself? Where do you see the MLS comparing to the leagues in Europe? You know, you know, if I if I'm taking uh, Atlanta United and I play them against Fulham or Bournemouth or say Watford, you know, who's who's who you say is going to come out on top of that? It's a tough call because you know I think if it's a one-off game, I would take a top MLS team to give a good run. You know, I really would. Um, I think that it's very hard to compare because the grind of the MLS is very different from the grind in England. Because, you know, in the MLS, you're talking about traveling the entire country, right? The entire country of the United States, which is a massive country, and you're playing two or three times a week. And then at the same time, you know, there's salary caps and there's different rules in place that the parity of the MLS is what they go for, right? They want it to kind of be like the NFL where on any given day, anybody can beat anybody. And there's rules set up so that you can't spend, 
X amount of dollars or like you can't, you know, you can't just like throw money at problems and make, make everything go away the way that you can in other leagues. So I think that those restrictions definitely make the English game or like English teams, you know, set up for more success. But I'm hoping, you know, that the MLS is kind of going away from that because who are, we're always trying to compete with Mexico, right? Like the MLS is always like, we want to be better than, we want to be better than what's going on in Mexico. And actually this week, you know, Seattle's going to play in the Champions League, Champions League final. And I think this, I mean, knock on wood, but like, I think this is going to be the first time that the MLS is going to win that. And, you know, that's a big, that's a big step. And I think once we're, once the MLS is able to get that type of win, maybe you'll see a little bit more ownership willing to, you know, open up the pocketbooks a little bit and the league be able to change the rules a little bit so that if we are going to, you know, the tournament, I forget the name of it because we never made it, but, you know, the tournament, the, the tournament World Cup where, you know, you're taking the winners of all the Champions Leagues and oh, they're going to compete. Club World Cup. There you go. So, you know, if, if we are able to start sending teams over there, you know, they're going to want to compete. And for, mm. in order for MLS to do that, you got to open up the pocketbooks and you got to change the rules a little bit. So, you know, I do like, I do think that there's a lot of talent in the MLS. We once beat, you know, I was on a division two team uh, with the Tampa Bay Rowdies that beat the Bol- that beat Bolton when Bolton <laughs> was, I think they were in the premier league or they might've been in, or they might've been in league one or the championship. But so, you know, I think that we can compete for sure, especially with the top talent, but I don't know about consistently or like how the whole top to yeah. bottom of the league works, you know? Yeah, so, so well, the reason why I asked the question was because, you know, your former teammate, Liam Ridgewell, uh, left West Brom when they got mm-hmm. relegated for the Prem in 2014 and slid Shane to, you know, the Portland Timbers' first 11, you know. When he came in, was there a significant, was you know, was he, you, could you could tell that he's played in Europe? Could you tell that he's just played a different brand of football? Yeah, totally. So, so Liam, Liam's an example of, he was a big signing for Portland, mm. you know, and then, so he got there a couple of years before I was, but at the same time, like the second that I got to know Liam and like started playing with Liam, he saw the game at a higher level. Yeah. You know, he saw the game completely differently. You could tell that he grew up around the game. And I think that we have a lot of players like that as well from different Spanish countries. You know, if you look around at the MLS now, you're going to have a lot of guys playing the world cup for some big countries. And, you know, with Liam, it was just different because he spoke English. So, like, I was yeah. able to talk to him more and I was able to understand, <laughs> you know, the way that he was describing the game to me. And I was under, I was really able to understand what, you know, he was how he saw the game and, and the level that he was playing at, mainly because he could talk to me because we have a lot of really good <laughs> Spanish players who I think are able to see the game at that type of level as well. And, they, and they've been in the MLS a lot longer. But, you know, when the lines of communication, when you can't really speak to them the same way, you don't really know how they're seeing the game. You're just kind of sitting back and watching what they're doing, and kind of being impressed by it. Yeah, rightfully so. Yeah. So, you know, we, we think, you know, kind of picking back on that, like people look at highlight reels of like Beckham coming over here and, and Wayne Rooney and Zalton and that type of guys. And they's, it seems like there's like kind of going through the motions and there's bobbing and weaving. But you're saying it's not necessarily physical skills. It's more like, hey, they've just grown up around the game for so much. They don't have, hey, sports center showing top 10 of baseball, football, and stuff. It's like soccer 24-7 for them. And so they, they just absorb all that knowledge. So mentally, there's a, there's a jump there. Yeah, they just see the game differently. You know, you know, some of those big guys when they first started coming over. And nowadays, nowadays, you know, people come over all the time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you talk to these guys and they say that, you know, if you lose a game in England, if you lose a game in Argentina, if you lose a game in Colombia, you can't go out to eat. You can't go, you can't be seen in public until you win. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that hostile. And then they joke about it in America that you can go lose a game on a Saturday, 
go to the grocery store on a Sunday and people are lining up to take pictures with you. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just a completely different world over here for, for soccer. And I think that that's why a lot of guys are coming over, especially because they're starting to get paid, you know, pretty well, you know, and the lifestyle's a little bit different. So, but when they, when all those guys first started coming over, you know, you're talking about the, you know, the Rooney's of the world. And, you know, even before that, you know, LA had a LA had a team where it was like Robbie Keane. I mean, the way that he played, mm. there were some guys. There were some guys making runs and seeing the game completely differently than I had ever seen before. And you know, maybe I'm an outlier in saying that, but at the same time, like you could just tell that they saw the game differently and they they had a better understanding of different situations and you know just a higher knowledge. You could tell that they they grew up with it. You know, that was their school was playing mm. the game. So sure. nowadays, I don't. Th- I think it's even out a little bit, unless you got like one of the real, real, real top guys. Where I think people are seeing the game a little bit more the same way here in this country. But at the time when they first started coming over, it was like, damn, I, I don't even know how we're going <laughs> yeah. to do about this guy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey, absolutely. I didn't even think about like you know we've seen the thirty for thirty, the two Escobars, and you know you miss a you miss a PK. There's a good chance that you're not shown again. Like. It's Man, crazy. I've had, I've had teammates tell me they've been kidnapped off the streets. Like mm. I've heard like just multiple stories. I've had teammates held up at gunpoint. Like we had a couple of teammates who were down in Mexico and then they came back to the States because pretty much like people stalked them to their bank, held them up at gunpoint. And, you know, it's, it's wild down there. It's a completely different world. So I think that that's, that gives hope, you know, in a, in a, in a not good, but like, I guess good way for, you know, American soccer that gives hope that people are wanting to come over. <laughs> you know, I, like, I don't know it, but if it's happening anyway, you might as well come over. And say <laughs> right. Yeah. We'll reap some of the benefits of that terrible stuff. Like, come on. <laughs> oh man. Let's not, that. let's not clip that. Let's not clip that. Get- <laughs> oh no. That's the first soundbite we're putting out for the trailer. <laughs> hey, I love teammates getting held up at gunpoint. It brings them to the MLS. Let's go. Tim and Devin, anything to add? Yeah, I I got a real brain buster for you here, Jeff. So you got experience on both sides. Well, my limited soccer knowledge, there's two sides of the coin, right? Over here and then over in Europe. I want to know, kind of diving a little bit more into this, you talked about like the mental aspect of the game and people growing up around it. Do you see any like physical differences? Like, um, was strength and conditioning different? Uh, did people focus more on nutrition one way or the other? How were practices structured? I mean, I guess I'm just trying to figure out like, what are they doing physically that's also different than what you know MLS is? Yeah, I mean, honestly, so so my experience my experience in Europe is limited to just like a few trials when I was younger. But you know, in terms of just being around guys from other countries and and you know. It all just depends on the individual, really. There's, you know, there's guys that have come. If anything, I think the American players and the American teams in that environment that I've been around is a little bit more focused on, you know, the weightlifting and, you know, I guess kind of like the meathead aspect of it, I guess you would call it, you know, the best way to compare it. And then, you know, the other guys from the countries that just play, they're like, you know, let's just go play. Like, I don't need to, you know what I mean? Like, I know how to play. I don't necessarily, you know, need to get super big or I don't need to do these certain things or, you know, so I really think it all just depends on the individual. At least that's kind of how it was in my experience. I don't know if that really helps answer the question, but. Yeah, no, that that's kind of, I was thinking it's more of the opposite for some reason. I was thinking, I don't know, since it's, I guess it's seemingly more ingrained at a younger age that there would be, you know, specific techniques or drills or something that they would be doing. But it kind of makes sense, you know, if 
if uh, like if you tell a kid to, you know, play multiple sports to get good at one sport, just go play, you know, don't necessarily worry about, I got to get my Anconius muscle torqued up to about 60 degrees. Like, no, you just go play. And then, you know, getting your, you know, repetition is really, you know, the key to the volume. I think, on it. I think more than anything, the, the biggest problem or like the biggest gap that needs to be figured out in this country when it comes to soccer is when you're in England or when you're in these countries, you know, the coaches have grown up around it. Like the coaches, the coaches has, have lived the life. So you got coaches that have truly experienced a lifetime of soccer and they're coaching the youth. But, you know, in this country, there's not a generation of people that have played soccer that are coaching the youth. So, you know, you're still looking at the coaches who are in charge of, you know, a big developmental stage for players in this country. And, you know, they're probably like my dad who helped coach me that was, you know, coaching baseball and coaching football and you know, doing all these other things and, you know, trying to learn, you know what I mean? Trying to learn the game as you go. So I think that for me, that's like the biggest gap that needs to be closed is trying to find those youth coaches who have grown up around the game so that the Americans are seeing the game on a different level. Because in terms of like sports science and all that, I think America is probably, you know, as top as they come from a physical, from like an actual physicality standpoint. But like until the youth coaches catch up and actually know what they're talking about, it's not really going to get that far. Man, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. But I mean, it makes sense. Like, you know, like they, I always refer back to the NFL for some reason, but like yeah, Little League and NFL, it's the, best. the kids, <laughs> the, the, you know, you, you get these coaches who may have played in college or like, you know, they've done a little extracurricular. So they're able to give you more of that technique. But I guess with soccer, you really don't have that here. That's a good point. No, I mean, it's just like soccer. Soccer is a weird world. Soccer in America is very weird. Like it's a very, very small bubble. You know, there's a ton of people that play it. But in terms of like, you know, I guess not to, I guess not to sound like a dick, but in terms of people that actually know what they're talking about, it's very limited in this country because not a lot of people have gone through the lifestyle. So, you know, I think until that changes or, you know, until they're able to feed people, feed kids that want to play soccer into the direction of, you know, people that actually know what they're talking about, it's going to take us a little bit to catch up. You're saying the world needs less Ted Lassos out there. I love Ted Lasso, man. No, I, the world needs the world needs a lot more Ted Lasso. Oh, we need more. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not even from not from a soccer standpoint, but from yeah. just like a human standpoint. <laughs> yeah, yeah give me all the Ted Lassos. That's right. Be a goldfish, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Believe. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Uh, Dev, any questions before we kind of talk about Jeff's other adventure in life? Yeah, just just one. Uh, I guess it'd probably be kind of quick. Was there anybody that you played against? Like, so, like being a defensive specialist, like a goalie, if, if he got the ball, where you're like, "Fuck me, I'm screwed." <laughs> <laughs> it happened a lot, actually. <laughs> was, I mean, that was during my time when I was in the MLS. When I was in the MLS, like it was a cool transition time of when I first started. There was like three or four guys that was like, "Oh man, this person being here is a big deal." Like the first one that jumps out of my mind is Thierry Henry. Like Ooh. Thierry Henry, you know, legend was in the league when I first got in, and he was actually my second game that I ever played. We were playing away at New York 
And I'll never forget my goalie coach showed me just like a 15 minute highlight tape of his best goals in his career. And I'm like talking like some, some of the best goals in the history of soccer, this guy showing me to get ready for the game. And I'm like, this is not motivating me at all. (laughs) This is doing the exact opposite. Like, so he's like, all right, so look, when this guy gets the ball, this is like what he can do. So just be ready for it. And it's like some of the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen in my life. Be be ready for everything. Yeah. So I think that's what he was going for. But like, you know, it was my first start. It was my second start in MLS, my second start on the road. And I'm like, this guy is like, I'm this guy's going to make this guy's going to embarrass me. (laughs) So, you know, that was definitely one of them. But, you know, as I as I got a little bit older and grew into a little bit, I don't know if it was more of like, the oh, shit, this guy has the ball as much as what you're saying. You know, this guy can do just about anything. So whenever he's on the ball, you got to be ready. I think in terms of, you know, physically, I'm not going to say intimidating because I wasn't like intimidated. But just like a physical specimen of a human being that I've never seen on a soccer field before. When I played against Ibrahimovic, mm. he was like, like if he grew up in America, he would not be playing soccer. He would be playing just about anything else. Like he is a physical, big, strong, like agile, can move. Like he is just like a physical specimen that I really had never ever seen on a soccer field before. And that was the first time where I was like, oh, this dude is a different breed. Like, this guy is a different type of human. <laughs> How big is his nose, though? <laughs> Probably as big as mine. I can't, I can't make those jokes, though. <laughs> but no, man, I got a good Zlatan story. So it's funny because we were playing them away. And, and so we're playing them away. And, like, it was a kind of a big game. We are in a little bit of a slump, and it was on ESPN. So it was like, you know, LA, Portland, you always got the ESPN game. And we're playing them away. And in the first, like, I want to say the first 10, 15 minutes, he, a ball comes in and I didn't think he was going to get his foot to it, but he somehow gets his foot to it. It was like a side volley around a defender, just something ridiculous. And then, you know, it it goes wide. It like hits the post and goes wide. And then he just looks at me and he just like calls me a pussy. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, bro, like I was like excited to play against you. Like I don't even like, I haven't even spoken to you yet. And then, Later in the game, like, he gets a penalty, scores, like, he keeps – he talks, whatever. And at that point, you know, you're into the game and, you know, the whole idea of, like, oh, I'm playing against Zlatan, like, that's long gone out of your mind. Mm. And then in the second half, I think we are tied 1-1. One to one. We were tied 1-1. One, one. And then he gets the ball, takes a long touch. I come out, and I, I, I still say I don't foul him. It, it could have gone 50-50, but you're going to get – if Zlatan's getting the ball, like, and going to draw a penalty, they're going to call a penalty against you. So he dives, he dives over me, he gets the call, he panekas me right on the second penalty, he chips me right down the middle. So it's just like insult to injury. And then later on, I asked him, I said, I was like, you dove, just tell me you dove so that I know you dove. And he's like, yeah, of course I dove. He's like, you shouldn't have dove, you shouldn't have slid down for the ball. <laughs> and I was like, you know, for me, that was a learning lesson of, oh, this dude is different. You know what I mean? It was kind of one of those like, oh, this dude's a different breed. Like he sees the game differently because not many people would have done that. But at the same time, you know, I'm on like every MLS Latin highlight reel for this Paneka penalty that he hit me right down the middle. So that's my, you know, Latin claim to fame. This, this dude's playing chess while you're playing checkers over here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It was like, it was a really like big insult to injury. And then, and then after the game, like this prick, he, he, he like, we have two players, like legends, two legendary Argentinian players that were on Portland at the time. 
and they both asked him for a jersey, you know, to trade jerseys. And like anybody else in MLS, if these guys ask you to trade your jerseys, you trade jerseys with them. Mm. It's an honor. And he said, he said, uh, he told our kick guy, he said, here, I only have one jersey. Tell them they can cut it and share it. And, and that was it. <laughs> Holy cow. I was like, man, this guy is a prick. <laughs> yeah. But he, hey, at least he, you know, he is who he, he is who he puts out there. So, yeah. yeah. It, 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 He's not working on anything. It's all yeah, you know, like yeah. I mean, like when you look at it that way, like I guess you got to respect his honesty. Damn. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my Zlatan story. And that might be the best MLS story I've heard. Oh Hands man. Down. Yeah, you got to talk <laughs> some more MLS. You got to talk some more MLS guys. Uh, maybe, like, but the, the how- transition, the transition of MLS, it's gone like when I first got into MLS, it was like the last breed of just college bros. Right. Like it was just a bunch of American college bros that played soccer mm. and, you know, we're having fun, loving the game, but, you know, having a really good time playing the game and, you know, stories for days from some of these guys that started the league because the league's only been around 20 some years. Yeah. But then by the time I was out of it, it was like proper professional, like what I would imagine it is like the rest of the world. For the first couple of years when I was in there with the college bros, that's when I was like, this is my, this is the life. This is what I was meant to be doing. <laughs> I didn't leave UCF. This is all wonderful. USF. USF. Don't put me at that evil school. I'm going to put myself don't in time out here, Jeff. Bad. <laughs> uh, well, hey, you know, MLS, we could ask you probably a million questions, but you retire from it and you go to work. For a really cool company, you might notice the shirts me and Devin are rocking and Jeff himself is rocking smack apparel. You go to work for him and you're making social media content left and right. And it's all electric, getting all the likes. I love it, man. It's been hilarious just because you guys live up to the name. You're talking smack. And it's literally from Premier League, like we just talked about, to college, NFL, NBA, uh, baseball. You guys got it all covered. Uh, how was, how did you guys, how did you get into the smack building? How did you get into that role? Man. So I married the owner's daughter. <laughs> hey, that's one way to do it. All right. Yeah. That's, one way yeah, that's how I got my in. You know, I played the long, I played the long game. I played the real long game. <laughs> no. So it's, it's funny actually, you know, I appreciate you saying that about smack, man. I'm working hard to try to build it out. And, you know, they didn't really have much of a social media before, you know, over the last couple of years, I've been working on it pretty hard because, you know, I do think it is a super cool company and we get, we, we make a lot of shirts that are geared towards diehard fans, which, you know, that's what I am. I'm a diehard fan. So it, it fits me pretty well. So we're trying to build it out there. So I appreciate you saying that, but so it's funny. My, my father-in-law owns a company. Okay. He's the founder. He started it 23 years ago and he started it with one college football t-shirt. You know, he, he had a funny idea. It was back in the day. He went to Florida state so I'm not sure, you know, where you guys at or in your history of Florida State and, you know, how that how you guys know all this. So bear with me. But so we made a shirt. It was like Will Rogers never met a man I didn't like. And on the back, it said Will Rogers never met Steve Spurrier. So it was just like, you know what I mean? Like funny, making fun of, you know, a smack talking shirt for Florida State about Florida. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as the story goes, he makes this shirt and people start seeing it. And he like, you know, he's hustling back in the day where there's no internet, you know, so he's going door to door selling retail. And then the more Florida State people wanted it, the more people that didn't like Steve Spurrier wanted it. So then the idea just kind of grew from there. You know what I mean? And, you know, of course, there's a lot of in between and there's a lot of stories in between. But 23 years later, you know, we're doing it for just about every fan base out there. 
And so he's been able to grow the company like that. So, you know, the way that I got into it was obviously marrying his daughter. But the cool story about that is I was, uh, she was wearing, or I was wearing a, a Ray shirt. I'm a big Tampa guy. I was wearing this Ray shirt back in 2008 the, when they went from worst to first. And like, I'm like a diehard Ray's guy. You know, I got a Ray's tattoo, like that whole, the whole works. Like I'm like a diehard. And so I'm wearing this shirt. And I'd known, I'd known my wife, Kendall, like we knew each other as friends, like we knew each other socially. But when I was wearing the shirt, she's like, oh yeah, that's our shirt. And I'm like, oh, you got this too? Isn't this shirt like dope? <laughs> and she's like, no, like that's my company. My, my dad makes these shirts or like my family's company makes these shirts. And I had like five or six smack shirts in the closet. No and I was like, no way, like get out of here. And then I met the guy and he's all time. And, you know, I didn't marry my wife because of smack, but, you know, it was a nice, it was a nice perk. <laughs> it was an added bonus that, you know, I had an access to just unlimited sports fans t-shirts for the rest of my life. Dude, absolutely. I like the little disclaimer. I did not marry her just because of that. Yeah, no, we got Listen, I'm giving you guys some sound clips that you guys could really put, throw me under the bus. I'm saying, make sure you get that on the recorded audio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, her dad, her dad has told enough people that I married her because of smack that, you know, it's, it's definitely the idea is definitely out there to some people. Oh, well, I can imagine that. But dude, I mean, you guys coming from one shirt to now, I mean, you've got to have hundreds of shirts and literally almost any fan base. Now, look, we're all app graduates, except for Matt. So we're a little saucy. You don't have any app stuff on there yet. But I believe in you guys. You'll get it rolling. But I mean, you <laughs> guys have it all covered. Did you say app state? Yeah. I, dude, I almost went to Appalachian State. What are we doing, Jeff? Yeah, oh. no, I almost went there for soccer. That was the hey, best recruiting trip. Well. I mean, not to steer the story, but that was the best recruiting trip I went on. That place is awesome. Dude, Boone is top notch. <laughs> top notch. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's all right, awesome. sorry. Yeah, we we'll get some app. We'll work on some App State stuff. Hey, there we go. That's all. Yeah. That's all we asked for. Right. You know, that's, <laughs> uh, but I mean, like, and you guys are on top of things like that, like Money Mac. That. I feel like one week CJ Usman says it, and then you guys are like, let's make a T-shirt on it. Money yeah, Mac, we actually, bank on it. I mean, we did. We actually beat him to that. We beat we beat Money Mac to that. But you know, oh, we shit. gave up. You know, he we obviously like we're player friendly. You know, right? We're not, yeah. You know, we're not trying to step on any toes. But but you know, it was actually kind of funny that you know we're just we're just always kind of switched on. You know, we're just a bunch of sports fans, and you know, we're pretty dialed in. We know that. We know that we make our money by figuring out exactly what the diehard fans want to wear. And, you know, it's, it's just something that's a lot of fun for us is, you know, especially for me, because I've always kind of been a diehard fan anyway. So really trying to tap into the emotion of a fan base, or even if it's something that we think a fan base would rally behind, you know, that's something that we're willing to try and put out there because if they are willing to rally behind it, and if they are able to get behind it, then it's pretty cool that we were able to, you know, help a fan base kind of figure out a rallying cry or figure out something to get excited about. And, you know, that's kind of what we're all about. And it's grown from, you know, a few, it's really grown from college football where, you know, that's really where the company got its start to, like you said, you know, we cover, you know, we're down to cover just about anything if fans, you know, if fans are into it. Dude, for, I mean, for sure. And like you said, the rallying cry, like Devin's wearing the Welcome to the Crack House shirt. And it's yeah. like, how awesome is that? Devin was like, hey, Kraken are, are becoming a team. I'm becoming a Kraken fan. And you guys have this awesome shirt. He's like, hey, let, let me get that. Let me, you know, we're ordering that sucker. Like, you, you hit the nail on the head. Exactly. I can't cheer for anything Seattle, but, you know. Sure. <laughs> that's, that's very fair. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, so like, that's really what, I mean, that's really what we're all about. And, 
you know, the most fun shirts for us are the ones that are, you know, playing into the rivalries. That's like, that's like the bread and butter. You know what I mean? Like when UNC beat Duke the first time, we were like, oh, this is, this is awesome. Like this will never happen again. You know, Duke could win the national championship and, you know, UNC will still have this moment. And then it was like, oh my God, they're going to play. <laughs> we're like, well, they're going to play again. Like, man, like if Duke gets revenge, like this shirt kind of dies and, you know, the whole idea of it dies. But then we're like, but if UNC somehow pulls it off again, then it's just like doubling down, you know? Yeah. And then that's just a moment. You know, those are the types of moments that we that we are like that we live for because those are two wins that UNC will have for the rest of time. And you know, so like those are shirts that are awesome because it's something that, you know, people will look back on 10 years from now and be like, I remember where I was when that game happened. So those those are the types of shirts that like are a lot of fun to make. And obviously, you know, Money Mac was cool and things like that, but you know, when it's a rivalry, when it's like a proper rivalry and, you know, there's like fans that truly don't like each other and are able to tap into that. That's like, that's when smack is at its best. Oh yeah. I 100% agree. Like, you know, the Kyrie suck shirts that you made for Celtics. <laughs> like I'm sure that went off the shelves as soon as like, Hey, net Celtics round one of NBA playoffs. I, yeah. That one, that one for me was a little tough because I'm like, man, like I understand the player side of it, but at the same time, like when a whole arena, when the whole arena is chanting it, it's like, that man, it'd be crazy not to make a shirt about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like we're only, you know what I mean? Like at least we like put, you know, a little clover over his Y, so maybe you don't know it's him, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, man, those are the fun, those are the fun ones to make. And, you know, the big one that we got going down down here in Tampa is we went to, so when the Bucks or when the Lightning won and it was like the boat parade, that was like epic. Like I know cities do championship parades and, and, you know, they're fun and all that. But I mean, you're talking about literally a boat parade and open water and people are just going nuts on the water and players are celebrating. I mean, you guys have seen the hot videos, I'm sure of Brady and these guys and the lightning players. And so now that's like our big thing down here. Cause you know, I'm a huge Tampa fan. So I'm always trying to rally the troops for boat parade shirts. Cause I'm like, man, it's fun to win the championship, but if you get to go to the boat parade, it's like an all time day. Like there is nothing better than celebrating with a parade. So that's what we got going on down here. Dude, right. absolutely. Like in Tampa, like we've talked about it a lot on this episode. You know, 101 episodes. I feel like we talk about Tampa probably every other week, you know. I bet and you wouldn't like, have thought that before you started this thing. <laughs> championship city galore. I mean, the back-to-back lightning shirts with, you know, guzzling beers, Tom Brady throwing the Lambo trophy. Like, it's just amazing to think about, like, Tampa is becoming – it's the championship city right now. And so rally behind all those boat parades that you can, because we're here for it. Cause they're electric every single time. I know. I wish, I mean, I wish I had the social media dialed in for the boat parades. I would have gotten some unreal content. That would have been, that would have been worth showing, but you know, we got to win another one hopefully so we can uh, get that thing rolling. Uh, you're sitting, uh, sitting pretty good for the lightning and then Tampa. We'll talk about them a little bit on, but yeah, I mean the bucks. Yeah. You're Clearwater Tampa Bay right now. It's the place to be, I feel like. You know, I hey, I'm, hey, I retired and moved back here, so I hope you're right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, listeners, if you want some of the Smack Apparel, go to our link on Instagram. It'll take you to smackapparel.com. We got a discount code for you. You don't have to plug anything in. Just click the link. It'll give a discount right at checkout. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, but go check it out. They've got everything on there. You, you'll find something for every fan base.
guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely. And use use the link on on their Instagram as well because you know we got to help out the pub talk. We got to keep these episodes rolling. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure make sure you use the one on the Instagram link. That'll be a solid. Hey, you're the man, Jeff. Well, hey, you want to stick around and talk a little sports with us? Yeah. What you guys got? What you guys got on the docket? Well, hey, NBA draft was it was everything that we thought it was going to be completely unknown and really this is for the boys and also you're a buccaneers fan i'm assuming being in tampa bay yeah awesome let's talk a little draft grades for us uh you know that it's way too early to tell way too early to get our draft full grades because we don't know but we're fans we're gonna try to think like we know it all uh, so for you, Jeff, the Buccaneers, how did they draft? And, and are you happy with it overall, underwhelmed, all that good stuff? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I kind of just have blind faith in what the GM is doing or, you know, what Tom Brady's up to. <laughs> I would have liked to get, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty biased towards certain schools. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, we ended up taking a running back in the third out of Arizona State, which to me – We've gone to the well a couple of times with uh, Pac-12 schools when it comes to running backs, and it hasn't really worked out too well for us. I would have loved to get I would have loved to get James Cook in the second if we were going to go running back because he was sitting there and we passed on Dalvin when he came out. So I would have liked to get the brother or at least get one of him in the building. And then you know they're saying good things about this edge rusher Hall that we got in the early second, but you know my draft story is for, oh and we got a punter which like I'm down to I'm down to draft punters so like hopefully. We <laughs> But, you know, like, I feel pretty confident. I think they definitely got every position that they needed. They waited until the fourth to get a tight end, which everyone down here is saying that means that they're just, like, extremely confident that Gronk's going to come back. So I hope that that holds true because we definitely need a tight end that can play. But it's funny, you know, I went to the draft party and stuck it out, and then we ended up trading out the first round anyway. So that was for – that, for that moment that I spent my whole night waiting around at a draft party for us to pick somebody and they traded down, I'm going to give them, like, a B-. minus. <laughs> hey, that's fair. But you got some great social media posts of the jerseys you'll see at a Tampa Bay draft party. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like you'll see anybody down here. Everyone moves oh. down here and no one cheers for Tampa. It's a shame. <laughs> Which is crazy to think about. You guys keep winning, but yeah. Tim, you're a Lions fan. Your boy fell into your lap. Aiden Hutchinson. How do you feel about it? Oh my gosh. Guys, I've been drinking Honolulu Blue Kool-Aid all freaking week. <laughs> um I thought the Lions draft was top tier. I thought we hit all the major spots we needed to. We focused on defense, but we got arguably, and every person will say different, arguably the best receiver in the draft. I think we traded up to get him. Uh, Jameson, you know, I don't know when he'll be able to play, but um, gosh, like I, I'm so excited. We got two great edge rushers. I think that was where. I was wanting to focus the draft on the most. I think when we first talked about it, it was just getting a D line, build the trenches up, get pressure on these stud quarterbacks. Um, you know, I love the draft, but it's the Lions. So let's see if anything comes of it, actually. You know, well, Tim, last week you said you get Agent Hutchinson, Lions straight to the playoffs. That's what you said. And, and I'll be honest with you, I think we can win the division. Um, oh my God. I wish. Let's go. I wish. Evan was on here because, you know, FTP, F the Packers. Uh, I think we're definitely going to take the division. Um, and I think this is going to be our first playoff win in over 20 years. I'm just throwing that out there. 
Hey, we're living proof, baby. All it takes is one player. All it takes is one. Good all it takes Good is God, one. one defensive lineman to fix all the Lions' issues. <laughs> That's all it takes. Jeff, you're going to eat those words. You just wait. <laughs> Every one of you. Listen, my heart goes out to the Lions. Like, I like the Lions. I hope you're right, but that's, you know, that is some extreme optimism, which I'm happy for you. I'm glad you have that optimism coming off of a draft. That's exciting. It's all I got. All right. Just give me this, guys. It's all I want. Yeah. Hey. Is it too much to ask to win the division? Is it too much to ask? I could just, I could just straight up say, you know, Super Bowl or bust. But I think division, I'm going to temper it down. Let's go division. And then maybe next year we'll look at Super Bowl. Can we get you to wild card? Can we get you down to wild card? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'll take a wild card. You know, shit. Why not? I'll do that. (laughs) I love it. Hey, you took Williams, you know, trading up for the for wide receiver who doesn't have an ACL. Dan Campbell loves that. He doesn't have to bite any knee ligaments off. Just only kneecaps. That's right. And I'll tell you, that is the first time I almost crapped my pants. That is the first time the Lions (laughs) have ever traded up in the first round because we're normally like the first or second pick. So it like the fact that I saw that well, news flash. <laughs> that was the first win for the Lions. Yeah, like like I, I saw the news flash and I was like, we traded up? Like it, it just blew my mind. So I'm gonna keep chugging this Kool-Aid, guys, and you just keep laughing at me. But I'm in for hey, it. Tim, I'm here. Bad franchise that sticks together. I'm here for you. Let's go. Takes both of us. Uh Matt, staying with the NFC North, your Packers, man. Yeah. How do you feel? Uh Back down here in real life in um, <laughs> um I honestly I knew we weren't taking a wide receiver in round one and I just love waking up, you know, in the morning. Oh look, we haven't taken a wide receiver and just watching the memes of Aaron Rodgers just getting angry again. It just it just you just you have to love it. Otherwise, it'll make you cry. Like, you just literally have to love it because Aaron Rodgers is such a big old baby. Just enjoying the memes and him getting angry. You just have to love it. Um, Yeah, glad that we took some uh, dogs for the first round. Very happy with that. Uh, So, there we go. You know, I'm happy with us. I'm very happy. Yeah, you get a pair of Georgia studs, you know, come off the Natty Championship. And, hell, maybe that's all it takes to get past the 49ers. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> Slate, man. I, I we were texting. I said I think the Ravens had the best draft. They did. Like, no question. No question that. I, I think thoroughly. I'm like, damn, dude. They crushed this draft. And and yes, you trade Hollywood Brown out to Arizona, and, and it seemed like, oh shit, maybe they got ripped off because they give up a pick with Brown, only get one pick in return. But it, it I don't know. I think the draft you guys filled the slot plus more. Like I, I feel like. You guys maybe have stole the show here. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, like I've said before in the, the show, we're notoriously bad at drafting wide receivers. So, I'm glad we just kind of sucked our bread and butter. Um, really looking forward to Kyle Hampton getting in the, that defensive rotation, mm. um, as well as Linderbaum. Uh, I think that guy's going to probably make an immediate impact. He'll probably be the one of the few that make an immediate impact. And then Ojobo, that's our – Kind of our uh, future project. I know he yeah. tore his uh, Achilles or whatever, but uh, mm. you know, I'm, I'm happy to everything. The only one that was like kind of questionable was uh, uh, Daniel Falele out of uh, Minnesota. But I mean, if he pays off, he's six foot eight, three hundred eighty pounds. So I mean, 
Jesus Christ, that's a, that's a big bastard. Just a mountain. Yeah. And you, you get Pub Sports Talk alum, Isaiah Likely from Coastal, as a tight yeah. end. We'd love to yeah. see that. Two two tight ends and, again, a punter. Punter Punters were hot in this draft. Special teams for the brand, this 2022 right. draft. They were real hot. It's like amazing. Like fourth round, I was like punter. I was like, hmm, was that a mistake? And then like fifth round, punter. I'm like, no shit. All right, this is the draft. This is what punter's been waiting for, baby. This is the year. It's the Pat McAfee effect. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, you know, I don't know about you guys. You know, Bengals fan, I'll give us a B minus at best. We took a lot of secondary, and I thought our secondary was pretty decent minus Eli Apple, which that's a whole nother tangent I won't get on. But, you know, I, Bengals, ah, I don't know. We'll see. Usually I'm pretty happy with the drafts, but this year I was questionable. Uh, but the bigger question, it seemed like Liberty's Cubet quarterback, Malik Willis, he was going to be number one quarterback taken off the board. He slides to number three, you know, Desmond and Kenny get off the board before him. And I was shocked. I don't know about you guys, but there was a lot of pre-draft hype about, hey, Willis is the dude. He's going to be QB1 off the board. Jeff, how do you feel about that? I mean, I would be 1,000% lying if I said I watched a minute of Liberty football. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I never know. I never know where these guys come up with this. Like, oh, this stud from Liberty, he is going to take over everything. (laughs) And I'm like, no, man. Like, I would – if I was a GM, I would probably take the guy that I was actually able to find on TV every single week. You know what I mean? So for yeah. me, that I guess that wasn't that surprising. It really didn't seem like anybody was high on quarterbacks as it is this entire draft. I know a lot of people like we actually had a lot of Pittsburgh fans down in, in Tampa that were saying that they wanted him, you know, that they wanted him to come to Pittsburgh. But I think that that's just because they didn't think that Pickett would be there. So I think that once I think they're really like once. Pickett ended up sliding down to the Steelers, who seemed like the most obvious pick to take a quarterback, that that was always going to be the way that it went down. And then, you know, like from there, I didn't, I don't really see up and down who was dying to get a quarterback that, you know, it wasn't a really quarterback heavy draft and, you know, even Pickett. Eh. <laughs> yeah. So like, so like, you know what I mean? So like him sliding isn't really that surprising. I thought it was funny. I saw today that Tannehill was like, you know, it's not my job to mentor this guy. And everyone's like, wow, what a prick. But it's like, no, it's not his job to help somebody take his job. But I think he ended up in a good fit. You know, I think that that's a, that's a team. You know, I just got back from Nashville this weekend and people actually are pretty excited about him. And, you know, it seems like a guy that if he is that good of a talent, he probably has to step up a little bit in his level of play because he was playing at Liberty. So hopefully being on Tennessee, it gives him a little bit of time to develop and, you know, turn into the NFL quarterback that people think he could be. But, you know, he went to Liberty. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're absolutely right. And, like, I I, I think it's a perfect scenario for him, like you said. You know, I don't know why Tannehill gets so much hate in Nashville. Like, the the Titans keep winning. They're winning games. Like, yes, he's not, like, top-tier quarterback, but – he 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 won't lose you a game. He'll he's gonna win you a game more times than he's gonna lose you a game. And, and so for him to get the hate he's getting, it's kind of surprising. You know, uh, Kenny saying to Pittsburgh that just made sense to me. He's a hometown kid. Uh, Ritter, Marcus Mariota in Atlanta. That's gonna be a quarterback battle. It's gonna be fun to watch. But I think, like you said, all these quarterbacks are. Eh, we'll see. Yeah, like nobody like really moved the needle. So when they're saying, like I said, I, mean, I know I keep saying this, but when you're telling me a guy from Liberty is going to be the person that changes your franchise, I don't really know how much that's happened. In the Come on, and flames we trust. Let's go, baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Boys, any any other draft thoughts for us? Hey, DeMarco Jackson to the Saints. Yeah, who that baby? I love it. That's right. Love the Pubalum. Yeah, I guess before the draft, there was all that QB hype. And then as soon as the first trade came in, I think it was um, – was it the Saints trading up or was it – I can't remember who it was. That's – you know, my first assumption was, okay, they're trading up to get a quarterback. And then they end up getting a receiver. Mm-hmm. And then the Lions traded up, and I was like, okay, we're getting a quarterback. We got a receiver. And then you had all these trades, and no one was picking up a quarterback. And I was like, oh, so maybe it was just all hype. Like, you had Pickett, but then the next one was – was it the end of round two or round three? Is like, okay, yeah, I guess it, you you're, you get so used to seeing a quarterback in, like, the top five. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, wow, this is really not that great of a quarterback draft, I guess. So that was just yeah. interesting. I think they were also so ingrained to just think that, you know, oh, you got a problem. Let's just throw a quarterback at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> whoever, whoever these guys have ranked the highest on the board. So I actually thought it was cool to see teams being like, well, you know, we're not going to reach at quarterback when, you know, if all you're doing is moving, you know, a lot of these guys, if you draft them in the first round, it's probably the Steelers are the exception that, you know, you had your future. If you're a GM or a coach, you had your future on a first round quarterback. And, you know, if the guy's not there, at least nobody took the bait and, you know, fell for the trap. I guess there's growth in that. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, exactly. A little bit less smoke and mirrors, it feels like. Yeah. Uh, well, staying with the draft, two big trades. We already talked about Marquise Brown going to the Cardinals, which big news today, D-Hop is suspended for at least the first six weeks of the season uh, for uh, performance-enhancing drugs. He denies ever taking it. Might have been something in supplement, which is totally believable. You know, supplement companies, they're not FDA approved. I I used to be like, they're full of shit. But now I'm like, ah, I mean, I could see some cross-contamination between supplements and, and D-Hop. You know, it's the first time in, what, eight years, eight seasons that he's got Bing for this thing. Uh, it was a November test, so it was kind of surprising. But I think the Cardinals knew about that, and so they needed Marquise Brown to come in before the news broke. So I think it's a huge win for the Cardinals, Ravens. I know you're not a complete fan of that with Lamar Jackson's slate, but um, you know, time will tell. I think Lamar will be fine. I think that, from what I gather, they're just like really good buddies, and it seems like he was left out uh, of mm-hmm. the loop on that. So you yeah. know, I think he'll get over. I think he'll be fine. Uh, any thoughts on this one, Jeff, Tim, Matt? Any thoughts at all? No, I mean, I just feel bad for Hopkins, man. Like, kind of like you said, you know, we're told all the time, you know, don't trust the supplement companies or, you know, really find somebody that's doing their research. And because, you know, you could do something that you've always done and, you know, it's made in a, you know, for them to say, you know, oh, it could be made in a plant where there was something on the table before and these things are so sensitive that it flags it and you might not even know. So, you know, I, you know, I, I tend to lean towards the athlete and believe, you know, that this guy who's been drug tested X amount of times probably isn't, you know, cheating at this stage in his career. And, you know, he just got injured. He's coming off injury. So he might've tried something new to that he thought was legal that to help him recover a little bit faster. And I don't know, feel bad for him. But at the same time, like, you know, I guess we're about to find out how much Kyler Murray is going to earn that new deal because when Hopkins wasn't on the field, he didn't really look that great and he wants all this money. So at least we're going to get an answer to that pretty quick. Hey, absolutely. You're, you're exactly right. And, you know, people talk about maybe this tarnishes D-Hop's legacy. I think if you truly know sports 
and, and you know, for us, we're a player friendly show. You kind of you tend to take the side of the player and like, ah, I don't think it's tarnished his legacy. I just feel bad, like you said. I feel bad for him. And Kyle Murray, he's got to step up to the plate now. And uh, D Hop's going to be in the drug program for what twenty seven months or so, like two and a half years, three years. Uh, that he's going to have to sit there and do piss tests randomly, which sucks for him. But you know, it yeah. is what it is. However good, however good he is, however like good that product help him recover, it's probably not worth the twenty seven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Twenty seven months. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm trying to find what it was that ping, but I can't seem to find anything. Did they I couldn't say? find it either. Oh, that's it's so interesting, interesting that the NFL that that the Cardinals knew for so long, and that it just got out now. Like I think that's pretty for interesting. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of like, huh? Like yeah, I don't makes, know. Like, makes you think. Makes you think exactly. A little, yeah. a little collusion going on, maybe. Probably rightfully so. <laughs> uh, well, you know the other big wide receiver name is AJ Brown going to the Philadelphia Eagles, getting traded away from. Uh, Nashville and Titans, which this pick, you know, Brown gets the deal of a lifetime, four years, a hundred million dollars. And he's guaranteed at least 57 of that million. Um, and, and all Titans gives an 18th round pick and 101st pick. So, you know, AJ Brown, probably top four, top five current wide receivers right now. And you get two picks for him. It's just kind of head scratching, but who knows Titans front office. They know what they're doing. Maybe possibly they took Arkansas's wide receiver banks, um, but this one also surprised me. I know we, he was unhappy, kind of like Debo Samuel, but I thought you at least fight like hell to keep your boy. You know, he made Tannehill look good. Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, I can't remember who I was listening to, but they made the comparison of like you know, wide receivers are becoming the new running back, where you can almost just draft a a comp receiver and save yourself the headache of like that you know contract extension. And it makes sense. Mm. I mean, you get all these wide receivers that are coming right out of college. If you find one that's close to like AJ Brown or, you know, like the next DK Metcalf, just as a big body person, then shoot, trade him while he still has value and just draft the guy the next year. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how that plays next draft. I don't know what the wide receiver class coming up is going to look like, but um, it might be that scenario where you just start to see these big name wide receivers start digging their heels in the ground for money and they just get passed on. Yeah, that's a good point, Tim. That's a real good point. Uh, any other wide receiver thoughts before we move away from the NFL? What I'd say is quickly is um, a lot of pressure on Hurts now. Devonta Swift and AJ Brown, you know, that's a serious wide receiver, you know, room that is like probably like top five easily. Yeah. No, like Smith still like, you know, I thought I was very impressed by him. Um, so yeah, a lot of pressure on Hurts. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, now Hurts, if he doesn't produce, it's like, dude, I don't know what else to tell you. Unless you blame mm. the O line and honestly, Philly's O line's pretty pretty decent, pretty, pretty good. So they're gonna find out real quick. And Philly's a rough city too for a quarterback if you're not performing well. So uh, we'll find out yeah. we'll all find that out really quick. Throwing throwing batteries at Santa Claus, quarterbacks, man. You're getting <laughs> you're getting the bricks. <laughs> Uh, well, real quick, we're going to talk a little NHL. We've all made our picks here. Fans, listeners, this will be on Instagram for you momentarily. Uh, you know, Jeff, I know you're pretty excited, especially looking at Tampa Maple Leafs uh, Toronto series. You know, we're all taking Tampa except for Jay Gray. She's she's just a troll to troll. Sorry, except for Matt. 
Never mind, Matt. You don't have an excuse except for you're over in England right now. So yeah, uh, maybe you just don't know about hockey over there. I don't know, but oh, I made the picks when I was with my friend who lives in Ontario. So I was like, I'll have to pick. I'll yeah. have, I have to take the Leafs. Canada bias. I hear it. I hear it. But Ooh. you know, I know Tampa is just roaring for this playoffs because you go back to back to back. You get a three peat here. If Lightning make a run. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I have a lot of blind faith in the Lightning. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I just kind of always assume at this point that they're going to figure it out. But they did get beat down pretty bad last night, which hopefully I'm hoping it's a wake-up call and not a sign of things to come. Yeah. But yeah. now now I'm just trying to study your guys' picks. <laughs> uh, if I need to make it bigger, I can make it bigger for you. No, you're you know, good. I- no, you're good. But no, I, got, I, have, I have blind faith in the Lightning that they're going to figure it out and – you know, it's a, uh, you know, it's it's the opportunity to do something special that I don't think a lot of teams, I don't know, has, who's won three in a row in any sport? Cowboys, maybe? Did they do it? I don't know if they got three in a row. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, I mean it, it's, it's obviously, you know, not a lot of teams have done it in the history of sports, so it's something that clearly is very tough to pull off. Exactly. I, I think of the Bulls of Chicago yeah. in the Jordan era, and that's about it. The only team I can think of that's won three in a row. So if they're able to do it, I mean, listen, the boat parade will be epic. You guys should come down. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it plays out. We'll be there in a heartbeat. You just let us know. Yeah, um, that'd be a good, that'd be a fun live, uh, the live show. <laughs> hey, we'll do it. You let us know where to go. We're there. All right, we're going. Listen, I promise that'd be worth coming down from England too. I promise. You. <laughs> there you go, Matt. Make sure you get that passport and visa ready. Let's right. go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we're based in Carolina here, Jeff. So most of us are taking the Canes, except for Fitz and Jay Gray. They kind of grew up as Boston fans, so they're taking the Bruins there. Um, but I think all these hockey matches, honestly, I look at all of them, they're all entertaining. And it was kind of like, I feel 65% confident. And then, like, ah, maybe it goes this way. It depends on my mood. I had to make my picks. And, and Tim, Matt, you guys may have felt the same. This is a great postseason for NHL, and I'm excited to see how this thing kind of shapes up. Yeah, the most glaring uh, pick that is like it's kind of hurting me to think about. Devin picked the Predators over the Avalanche. <laughs> yeah. I, I know Devin's a diehard <laughs> Predators fan since last year, but Dev, if you're there, you have to explain yourself. Yeah, I, you know him. You know, obviously, he's jumped on the Seattle bandwagon. He's like, hey, I want to be the day one fan. I'm here. But he also was all in for Smashville. And so I think he just kind of gets blind. You know, he gets the canes in there a little bit. I think he's just confused mentally sometimes. But Whoever's trendy. Whoever the trendy yeah. fun pick Yeah, is. exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a new uh, hashtag wow. here. Devin's, Devin's the new bandwagon fan for NHL. <laughs> but that's what made, I mean, for me, in terms of playoffs in American sports leagues, hockey, if you have a team that you're invested in and that team goes on a run, I mean, it's two and a half months. Every other day, your team is playing. And it seems like it's like everything. I mean, it's hockey. So it's like everything is so intense. Like there's tons of scoring or there's always so much back and forth. But if you're if you're cheering for a team or if you're able to get behind the hockey playoffs and like properly follow it, I mean, it is like nonstop every other day. And it's for me, it's the most exciting playoff. I mean, it's two months, <laughs> two yeah. months of every other day. Like I can't it's really crazy do that. to think about. No, exactly. Really and Devin went on this journey last year where he's like, "I'm going to watch at least three games of NHLs uh, of the NHL season all season long," and he did it. Which kudos to him because, like, that's 
that's impressive as hell. And uh, so I guess he has some room to be biased there. But that's our NHL picks. And uh, hopefully let us know how wrong or how right we were. Tim, I'm coming for that Pickums trophy behind you. I want that thing back. Yeah, Jeff, you should check out my uh, my trophy. I don't know if you can read that with the light, but um, I'm basically the champion of the pub sports, uh, the group here. You know, my picks are pretty flawless, so <laughs> I have a feeling I'm just going to keep this here on the shelf for a, a long, long time, boys. You do that with every with every sport? You get a different pick'em contest for a different... Uh... Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, we try to keep it fun around here. Nice, man. I like that. So, you know, anytime you want to be guest picker, feel free. We'll come on. We'll get you, you know, we'll mail you the trophy if you win it. But I was going to say, do I get the trophy? That's, I mean, I'm only playing if I get the trophy. <laughs> and then you could have a boat parade for the trophy. Yeah. <laughs> then you could throw the trophy to the boat behind you. <laughs> Guarantee it costs way less than Lombardi. So, yeah, feel free. <laughs> yeah. Skyhook it. Yeah. Can we get that would be replaced? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know like where I can get it. <laughs> uh, one more playoff series going around. NBA, NBA's, you know, round one was pretty awesome to watch. Round two has been, it's gone exactly how we thought it was, ah, except for the Celtics Bucks. Uh, that game was kind of more of a blowout. But Suns Mavericks, that was a fun one to watch. Grizzlies Warriors came down to one point. Heat Sixers, a little bit more lopsided, but still very close game up until the last minutes. And then kind of the Bucks was like, hey, I'm the Greek freak for a reason. I'm no KD. I'm no Kyrie. I'm putting the ball in my hands. I'm getting the job done. And Jason Tatum's got a lot to grow up here. He's got to learn during the series. Uh, but NBA round two, what's our picks here? Jeff, I'll let you go first. Who are you picking? All right, so I'm going Suns. I like Devin. I like the fact Devin Booker's back. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame. I'll stick to the West for first. I'm going, I think, Golden State just because the Grizzlies. I like the Grizzlies, but, you know, I think experience is kind of king when it comes to playoff runs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Golden State's loaded with experience. I mean, it's it sucks that Embiid got hurt. I think that series would have been good. You know, I felt like, you know, Philly getting that first round win would have given them some good momentum. And the Heat are legit, too. So I thought that, you know, if Embiid was able to be healthy, I think that would have been a good series. But I kind of feel like the Heat might just sweep them, honestly, because they don't look anything like they should look to be at this stage. Yeah. And then, man, game one, I wanted the Celtics to win, but game one kind of scared me off of that a little bit. Just the fact that kind of the same thing. Milwaukee's done the playoff run before, and they've kind of been there. But I'm going to go Celtics just because I think I think Heat-Celtics would be pretty fun. So I'll lock those in. Yeah. I mean, I – Golly, stole the words from my mouth for the most part. Yeah. Tim, what do you say? I'm taking the same picks with the exception of um, switching the Bucks and the Celtics. I think the Celtics looked great last series. And I think it was partly because of the dysfunction of the Nets. Hmm. And now that like you see the Bucks, they're really starting to hit their stride. It, they kind of, I don't know, game one of that didn't look pretty for the Celtics shooting a lot of threes, and it's just, I don't know. You saw them last year, and you're like, wow, great team. Last game, you were like, I'm not <laughs> feeling it. So I'm going to go with um, Suns, Golden State, the Heat, and the Bucks. All right, I'm here for it. Matt? Right, give me the Suns. I'm going to take the Grizzlies, because everyone's going for the Warriors, only purely for that reason. Uh, there's a Formula One race in Miami this week. Give me, and I saw George Russell was at was at the game the other day. So <laughs> give me the heat. 
uh, and t- give me the bucks. All right, I like it. Slate, who are you taking? Let's go. Uh, let's go. Mads, Golden State, Bucks, Heat. I like it. That's Fitz. Kind of, you know, Fitz is Fitz is going Dallas, Golden State, Heat, and Bucks as well. He's kind of copied you there. I'm gonna go Suns. I, Jeff, like you, Devin Booker's back. Chris Paul, I think they're going to be clicking at the right time. Luka's one-man show, but when you got a dynamic duo like the Suns, it's hard to beat. Grizzlies, Golden State, that one's tough. Give me that gritty team, baby. Give me the Grizz. I I love John Morant's just swagger and and just that young explosiveness. They're kind of in your face, and I love it. I'm here for it. (sighs) Uh, Give me the heat. It's a clean heat sweep. I just, like you said, Joel Embiid's out. He's injured. If he was back. I'd be really tempted to take Philly because I think Philly could almost give him a run for the money and, and push it to game seven, maybe win. But without him, good luck. And I got to back my Celtics. I think Jason Tatum grows up to this point and uh, he gets the job done. But listeners, watchers, let us know how we get right, how we get wrong. Let Jeff know how he does. Hit him up on Instagram, all that good stuff. Um, Matt, real quick, footy stuff, and we'll do our pub parlay. We'll get out of here. I know we kind of, it's, it's our longest episode ever. But, you know, Jeff just such, such great storytelling. We couldn't cut him off. Sorry, I like to talk. I'm a big talker. <laughs> hey, I love it, Jeff. We were here for love it. Yeah, real quick one. Um, so, just real quick review of the game that happened, or the one big game that happened Sunday was Everton beating Chelsea. You know, Everton are really struggling to stay in the Premier League, really struggling. Um, and they really scored quite a fortunate goal. With a lot of pressing high up the field by Richarlison, uh, Chelsea captain Aspilessa just couldn't get rid of the ball in time, drops for Richarlison, tucks it away, and as he's run off celebrating, he's picked up a flare and throws it. That's quite funny. Yeah. Uh, but Chelsea literally threw everything at Everton. Um, you know, they had the ball 80% of the game, which is ridiculous. And Jeff, I'm not sure if you've seen the highlights, but Jordan Pickford made some amazing saves yeah. for Everton, some incredible saves. Uh, one including he saved the ball with his face for about five yards out. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And a sort of gritty win that, you know, your team, you know, when you're when you're down the bottom, you need to be gritty, you need to be dirty, I need to win to close games. And fair play to Everton, a huge game for them. Still in trouble, still in a relegation zone. But, you know, they're doing okay. And, you know, their fans are absolutely bouncing. Um, The night before the game, Everton fans were setting fireworks outside of Chelsea's hotel at three o'clock in the morning. Jeez. I love it. And you watch videos of it. It's crazy. Absolutely bananas. But there we go. There we go. Anyway, moving on to next week. Quick little look forward. We've got... Big game that's going to decide the top half of the table. We've got Liverpool home to Spurs. Um, these two teams are chasing different things. Liverpool obviously chasing to win the league. Uh, Tottenham trying really hard to consolidate their you know top four place. Um, should be a really good game. Liverpool Spurs are is always a great game. Is always full of goals, end to end stuff. Great players, Harry Kane. Uh, shorter scoring so many goals this year so this is a definite must watch it is let me tell you right now it's a late kickoff as well so it's easy for you guys to watch the well for once so um <laughs> i'm gonna try to work out uh four o'clock uh kickoff 4 45 kickoff on saturday 
So definitely give that a watch. So there we yeah. go. It's going to be one great game. I'm excited for it. Jeff, any pick for this one? Oh, Liverpool. Always Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah, always Liverpool. I they're like too it. good. Yeah, they're too good. <laughs> Touche. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, all right, boys, pub parlay. So, Jeff, this segment, we're going to pick a bet for this weekend. We're all going to lump it together, pub parlay. Hopefully, we'll make some good money. Or if it's like been the past couple of weeks, we're, we're all a little bit of a cold streak. But we're bouncing back with Jeff the legend here. So, I got a good feeling here. Oh, man. Man, my betting history ain't great. So, we'll see. <laughs> hey, you fit just right in with the pub. It's fine. <laughs> All right, so starting with this weekend, we've got a ton of action. We've got, we got footy, we've got NHL, we got NBA, we got baseball, obviously. A little F1 if we want to dip into a Formula One. I know, Matt, that's kind of your thing, but Devin's mm. been on a journey to watch some more of Formula One as well. Uh, Jeff, you're a guest. You want to go first? You want to you clean up for us? Man, let, let me look at the lines real quick. I'll go clean up. Hey, perfect, perfect. Right, Just boys. put any Tampa team down. It'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're always favored by so many points. I don't want to. Yeah. Do we have a day? Are we doing Saturday or Sunday or Friday? I don't I have, have two perfect. Saturdays, but let's, let's roll Saturdays. Let's do it. Matt, what do you think about Wolves over Chelsea? <laughs> okay. Chelsea haven't been playing that well, uh, but Wolves – have only won one of their last five. They've lost their last three at the bridge as well. Um, I'm going to say, I, I, you know, I mean, it's your pick, but I, I highly doubt they're going to get a result. Man, last time we picked Wolves, it turned out good. No, we didn't because you weren't here. We picked him against Burnley and Burnley won three. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. It's because Slate didn't make the pick. That's the reason. There we go. All right. We'll, we'll, save, it for, we'll save it for another time. I'm going to go since. The since Jeff's here, I'm actually going to go raise over the Royals, or sorry, the uh, Mariners this weekend Saturday. Love oh, it. but I'll say this: the Rays are historically bad against the Mariners. Ooh. Oh no! Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think they just beat them in the last series. I'm pretty sure it was like the first time in my life I've seen them beat the Mariners in a series. But hey, they'll have good odds. It's a All new right. day, baby. It is it's a new, a new day. day. Dawn of a new day. Hey, I appreciate I appreciate the support. (laughs) Mm. Matt, Tim, Mm. it's real tough here for Saturday. You know, I'll go with I'll go with a little underhand pitch because I think we need a win. Um, Give me the Avalanche over Nashville Saturday night. I wasn't sure where you're going with that. Well, you know, I was going to pick Houston over my Tigers, but I was going to ask if you're going to do that. I, I think you know Houston. I know the Astros are great and all, but let's go with Avalanche. Okay. I like it. Um, could be Crystal Palace to beat Watford. Ooh. Watford are relegated down, Tim, by the way, so that means your team's in the next division yeah, below. Yeah, F you, Matt. <laughs> F you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I solely blame that on you. We made Ooh. it, and we had a taste of victory, and now we've been relegated. So. <laughs> It's all Matt's fault. I had to bring you down after that <laughs> speech about the Lions, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm used to it. It's all right, man. Uh, you know, Jeff, you're here. It's a little bit different Florida team for you. I'm going to take the Panthers over the Capitals Saturday as well. I, I think, uh, you know, Capitals, yes, they're home, but they're just 
I don't know. They they're old. They're a lot older than what we used to. They're they're a couple years removed from that Stanley Cup win, and the Panthers are hot right now. So give me the Florida Panthers. I think Ovechkin's hurt too. And that doesn't help. That doesn't help. All right, is it on me? It's on you. No pressure. All right, I'm going over the two and a half for the in the Liverpool uh, in the Liverpool Tottenham game. Oh, good pick. Give me, give me the over. I like that. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, we're making money. This is the this is the week. Let's Jeff's go. here. All good vibes, baby. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's we say that every week. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, damn it, Matt, you get a good vibe, right? though. You're never gonna win. That's, no, right. that's true. <laughs> Hey, well, we do a random question, and then we're getting the hell out of here, Jeff. I know this has been a while, and we appreciate your time, dude, so much. And uh, we can't wait to keep working with Smack and keep working with you. And anytime, you're welcome back to join us, man. Oh, I love it, man. I got to get you some shirts over to England, bro. We got some good soccer shirts. 100%. Yeah. 100%. All right, does anybody have a random question for us? I got one in the back pocket if we need one. Let it rip. All right. What athlete meant the most – to their city. I had oh, this God. debate with a buddy. Mm. And, and so I can go first. I'm going to say Michael Vick to Atlanta. What he was able to do to the Falcons. Yes, they had Deion Sanders and, you know, White Shoes Johnson, that type of stuff. But just what Michael Vick was able to put Atlanta on. And then it seems like the hip hop culture was coming alongside him. And just the pair of them took Atlanta to the next stratosphere it seems like uh so michael vick is my pick he meant the most to atlanta that's a tough question i think i'm i've I've alluded to to one of my favorite baseball memories and just sports memories in general but i think mike piazza to new york after 9-11 was huge yeah Mm. that's a good one that's a huge one yeah that's deep yeah exactly yeah yeah Yeah. Sorry about that. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I can't, I can't really follow that up. But <laughs> I got to do it, it, it. I don't know how much it meant to the city. It meant a lot to me. All right, Ben Wallace. I know I talk a lot about him. The most underrated defensive player in the two thousands. Ben Wallace was the epitome of the Detroit basketball team. Just gritty defense. He, you know, stood up to Shaq. He, he blocked Shaq in the finals. I mean, how many players could say they? put the ball back in Shaq's face you know you have him doing curls before the game and he's just like fucking yoked out of 50s just curling that ish like fear the fro gotta be Ben Wallace for Detroit yeah he stood up for the city he said Ronald says you don't punch my fans I punch you sir that's right <laughs> mouse in the palace baby um I think there's only one the probably the best answer for this is is going to be Steven Gerrard for Liverpool. Um, you know, he's a proper thick scouser. You ever hear exactly good? You know, he's seriously a scouser. Um, you know, he was at Liverpool from when he was a child, probably, when, I think, when he was six or seven, played all the way through to when he was, you know, in 2015, captain, legend, won the Champions League with him loads of times. Did he ever win the Premier League? <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, Steven Gerrard has got to be for pick for that. I like it. I played against him in his first MLS game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he was yeah. at the Galaxy, wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah. Saved a breakaway. I have the picture. I should, I should get it framed <laughs> now that you say that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. 
I didn't save a lot of guys. I didn't save a lot of legends, but that was one of them. Yeah, I was gonna call you out, Jeff. I was gonna be like, "Hey, that was a good story. Like that turned out pretty well for Jeff, unlike the other ones he told." But yeah, <laughs> I did. I did really well again. Scored on against the good guys. Uh, <laughs> let me think. I mean, Tom Brady to Tampa, easy. Mm. I mean, that's yeah. Easy for me. I'm not going deep. I'm going extremely selfish, and he put <laughs> he put the entire city on the map because nobody cared at all about Tampa before Brady got down here, and then once he showed up, everybody's moving here and. You guys have talked about him every minute of your episode because that's exactly when he came over. So, uh, yeah, hey, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, you're bringing Gronk and all the other talent coming into the city. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're the best. He even got the Lightning to win, so that's exactly. all Tom Brady. He <laughs> like never lost a playoff series when Tom Brady's been the quarterback of the Bucks. Hey, TB12 for the win, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Fun fact. Well, Jeff, we can't thank you enough for hopping on, dude. Anything you want to plug? Go ahead and plug away, dude. Thank you so much for joining us. No, man, just, you know, Smack Apparel, like you said, this obviously seems like a podcast for proper sports fans who, you know, live and die with fan bases and, you know, just love sports. And that's what we're all about. So follow us on Instagram at Smack Apparel. You know, like you said, check out the uh, the link in these guys' Instagram account. And yeah, man, just spread the love. And that's all I got. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's a lot of fun. Hey, dude, absolutely. Welcome back anytime. And uh, hopefully we can make down in Tampa for a boat parade. We'll yeah. Get you, we'll meet up with you. <laughs> At least one of the three, hopefully. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Well, watchers, listeners, we'll catch you guys next Tuesday for a wonderful 100 episode, 102, 100 episode. I can't talk. And uh, we got a special guest for that one, too. So watch the Instagram for that sneak peek. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Have a wonderful time. Get a bit go well. I love it. Be off the air, but popping bottles, popping bits. Thanks for hopping on, Jeff. Yeah, of course. I was just going to say it. Let's uh, let's catch up. Joey Chestnut has to be. Yeah, for sure, dude. All right, see you guys. Has to be. Has to be. Amazing guest, man. Especially in September, is like one of the hottest athletes in the world. Man, I'm gonna get real theological on y'all. I think we're all a little soft and misunderstood. Also, can you talk about the hoppers being so shitty? Game of baseball, but it has different rules that go along with it. That I dropped the ball. I gotta get us go better behind our hoppers. underlying theme of getting fans involved, keeping fans. If I catch it in my in my beer, uh, does that still count? Ten seconds. Ten I can't tell seconds. if somebody's talking or. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Ugh.